listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 90 of Sentimental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast. We can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Hassan Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our returning guest is Emmy Award-winning cartoonist, best known for creating Billy Dogma and the Red Hook, collaborating with Harvey P. Carr, Jonathan Ames, and illustrating for HBO's Bored to Death. His published work includes writing and drawing for Marvel, DC, Archie, Image Comics, and Webtoon. He's also an accomplished playwright and coming all the way from Brooklyn, New York. Dean Haspiel, welcome back to Cinemental. Thanks for having me back, guys. I love this podcast. Always a pleasure to have you. And and true to form, you have brought us two more incredibly interesting films to <laughs> dissect. But first, uh, as usual, we will suffer from consumption. Uh, who would like to go first, Latham or Hassan? I'll go first because I don't have anything. So yeah, does really that mean you're done then? Do I mean, I have, I have, <laughs> I'll go first. I have nothing. Next. I don't have nothing. I just, I mean, com- compared to Colossus at the end of the line here. I don't All right. Go, go ahead, Lane. Well, well, we finished WandaVision, and uh, Hassan, you are absolutely correct with your assessment that I wasn't going to like it. <laughs> and, uh, the, uh, the extra, extra scene at the end of it is just, I, I almost, Whatever I had in my hand was thrown at the TV. <laughs> my daughter started laughing. I, and I told her, I'm like, if it's a bad extra scene, I'm going to whip so- whatever I have at the TV. I think it was a pillow. I was <laughs> irritated with that. Thankfully, it was a pillow for your television, for the sake of your television. I mean, good thing you didn't have ball bearings in his hand or something. Yeah. <laughs> that was like an up and down roller coaster show of good and bad. And then the final dip is like into the the disney depths into a brick wall (laughs) i I just i couldn't eh. can i ask a question about that uh ending for you sure or all 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 three you guys um i i i don't know if it's a spoiler but do you feel that the that this is marvel's breaking bad and that actually they're setting her up to be a big bad for the for the cinematic universe uh, I think it could be true, and I think that's lame if that's true. That's right. Yeah, it seems like it's something to that extent. It's probably with Marvel. It's probably um, it's probably like a red herring. You know, it's like a misdirect, but it's leading us to believe to think in that direction. And at the last minute, they'll pivot out of it in some way, or it's not, and it's just a long game. You know, but it's, if they just do, a, it's a foreshadow. If they do do that, they go in that direction of make her the big bad. I think what they're doing, which might be smart, is to have to give us more empathy for her downfall and hopeful redemption, where, however that plays out. You know, where we yeah. we got to know Thanos, and you know Thanos isn't totally wrong. You know, like oh, Thanos got some ideas. Not. No, but no, Thanos no. is pure in his belief of his 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 journey and his thing. It's just you know he he had a, he had a plan and he was mm-hmm. going to execute it. It didn't matter what 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 the other what the other stuff in the way was, he right. was going to make sure that his plan got done. Right. right. You pick the right people. I'm all with him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Never mind. Honestly, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being honest. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. So, as I made it awkward, um, the <laughs> other. Uh, and the other thing I watched, uh, the only movie I watched was, besides one we were supposed to watch for this week, was uh, uh, Training Day, which I'd only seen oh, one wow. before. Oh, wow. I haven't seen that in a long time. It's 
it's hard it's hard to find fault with that movie even though you know what its faults are it's hard to not give it a lot of merit where or a lot of credit where credit's due it's it's pretty pretty slick interesting movie and i think even though denzel washington won the best actor for it i think ethan hawk makes that movie that's what i think oh i yeah washington i agree with you it's awesome but hawk ethan hawk is that's the hard role to play in that situation and he nails it he right. nails it. I think I think any actor who's gonna who's got a role like Denzel Washington's character has to have uh, a character on the opposite side of that to for those two for in order to make his character you know it's like the old argument you know from you know and I'm gonna go back to legend with this you know there is no light without darkness yep. you know if they, they oh, yeah. you have to have both in order to have a contrast yeah that's fair that's that's true and he's. You know, the only, the only problem I have with that movie is towards the end, there's just some questionable decisions by Denzel Washington that basically get him killed if he had just changed his mind like two or three times. Oh, he could have got you know, and that I know they have to do it to make their point. I just that that's my only beef with it. It's it's a pretty good movie, and that's uh, that's all we watched last week except for our, oh, uh, I showed Amaya uh, Blade Runner. Uh, that was that was a fun night because she she loved it. She wow. loved it. cool. Which so, version did you show her? The final cut, final uh-huh. cut. So interesting. Are you going to go back and let her see the theatrical? If she wants to, I mean, I've got the briefcase set upstairs. She can watch all five versions if she has the time. I, no, I'm, I, I I I like the theatrical cut of that film, not necessarily better or worse than the final cut. I like. There's parts of that voiceover narration that I really really like. I can't deal with the ending. The ending's just, I mean, after you know what the, after you see the final cut, I, I can't watch him driving away. I can't. Okay. I just, we're going to watch uh, 2049 tomorrow. Oh, awesome. Awesome. He's really interesting. I've, I've seen that movie probably five times now. And every time, the first time I watched it, I was, I don't want to say I was unimpressed. I was just kind of like, okay. I guess that guess it's got to settle in a little bit. Now that I've watched it four or five times, I really, really like that movie. That yeah, is a director's movie. It's he made it to honor the first one, and once you realize that, it's it's pretty good. It's know. it's phenomenal. All the characters are great. Uh, I love the you know all the all the strong female characters throughout that movie are phenomenal. Um, just everything, you know, Jared Leto's characters, you know, everything's just kind of spot on, you know, there's yeah, no, oh yeah. there's no real weak spots in it, you know, uh, as long as it is. And it's a, uh, you know, it doesn't, you know, it, it I want to say it crawls at times, you know, it doesn't fly through, but it still is just, it's, you know, it's kind of like a juggernaut. It's just going at a pace and it's just, it's unstoppable until the end. And ironically, my two favorite moments in that movie are so, uh, aw- so random, but, uh the his his first baseline test yes like kind of the kind of the moment i i decided that i was in you know like all right like it was i remember uh, re, uh, realizing that in the theater like all right okay fine you got me well, yeah <laughs> i'll play i'll play alone and um the scene at the uh the whatever the eatery with mckenzie what's her name oh mckenzie davis yeah, Mackenzie Davis. Yeah, and it just that just that moment where she goes, "Oh, you don't like real girls," and then she kind of just <laughs> quietly walks away, like it doesn't. For some reason, I think that was just really well done, and it was a moment. It wasn't too intricate, but it was a moment that you had to pay attention to to know exactly what happened just there. Mm-hmm. You know, so those those two moments, I was like, "Oh, we're you know we're in good hands," uh, you know, the storytelling wise. But I, I'm a huge fan of the movie. I saw it in the theater and it went by in a, in a blink. It didn't even feel like uh, three hours, three and a half hours or something like that. It's a long movie. I didn't even What's feel the name like of that, that director again? Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Uh, Denis Villeneuve. Now, he did, he did the new Dune movie, right? Yes. yes, he did. Now, is it true that he's directing uh, or adapting Jim Thompson's Pop 1280? Have you heard I that? Have, I have not heard that. I have no idea. All right. You, you Jim Thompson fans at all or no Jim Thompson? Uh, I know the name. I don't. I wouldn't be able to yeah. put a finger on him specifically or what stuff. Uh, Chief turned me on to him in, when I was seventeen, going on eighteen, working at Upstart. 
and oh, okay. uh, he's a, a, a crime what was a crime novelist uh he co-wrote or wrote the killing the stanley kubrick movie oh yeah right oh okay famously wrote novels like the killer inside me which i believe was made into a movie and and some other uh, uh books that were adapted in oh the grifters is also a, a jim thompson um story oh yeah oh the the stephen frears movie yep yep i like that movie and of course, you guys know as Blade Runner fans about the voiceover, right? About what Harrison Ford tried to do. Yeah, he tried to tank it so yeah. that he could get it. Yeah, so they wouldn't use it, and then they used it, and that's why it sounds a little corny. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's like one of the characteristics of the you know the movie, like the the documentary of uh, the Dangerous Days documentary. There's like a number of people yeah. who claim they can't watch the they can't watch the movie without it now because it's so ingrained regardless of how bad it is right is, they can't deal with all it all in all it. i'd rather be a killer than a victim <laughs> yeah. i don't know why he saved my life but <laughs> yeah i'm not saying it's i'm not saying all of it's perfect but there's just there are certain parts of it that i just really really like and i just think it adds to that classic noir feel you mm-hmm. know in a completely futuristic setting that just makes that all the more interesting so I think Blade Runner is an incredible movie. I just wish I had seen it, you yeah, know, when I was a kid, you know, and I yeah. before I had seen all the ripoffs. You blew, you know? you blew it. Like I've seen, like Judge Dredd does Blade Runner in the in the first like what twenty or thirty minutes of the of mm-hmm. the film aesthetically, you know, and because of because of where Judge Dredd was and when that movie was made, it was probably way easier for them to achieve all those all that imagery. Um, than it was so I mean it just completely rips off the you know one of the more blatant or the low-hanging fruit from from the movie that is Blade Runner but that is a powerful visual element um, to help you kind of digest the rest of the the material that is the movie and once you're kind of over the visuals of a you know of a futuristic world with spinners and you know Apparently, no sun and no moon and just fog everywhere, and you know, just massive monumental uh, buildings. Yeah, once you're once you're kind of past that imagery, it just becomes quaint, you know. So it's like (laughs) when you watch when you watch Blade Runner, it's like, oh, that's 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 nice, you know. This that's where all that came from. Mm. And then Blade Runner, in and of itself, is kind of a is sort of a really good but really flawed narrative. So the only thing you could do is like, just really notice the narrative and not, and you're kind of over the other, the other half of it. It's like, um, I don't know. It's like watching star Wars, like watching a new hope after you've seen the other, you know, eight movies, you know, and watching that one last. And so now you've the, the giant star destroyer that, that, you know, floats overhead and, you know the the lightsaber at light the, speed. You've for already the, seen yeah. it crashed into the desert. So yeah, you know you're just you're kind of like oh all right, that's where all that oh, came from. What, there's yeah. those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I you know it's it's better to have that first impression than to come in late. It really is very true. Uh, what do you got? Not much. Uh, there there really isn't anything. I was I was trying to catch up on all the writing. Also, I was like not really well this week. I wasn't feeling well this week. So oh, um, all right. Yeah, now I am, but I mean, it was it was a holdover from the last two weeks, so gotcha. it's just it just it just finally kind of gave me a break. So, wow, I watched the two movies. I'm trying to think. I watched. Um, I'm cycling through Outlander. I told you that last week, mm-hmm. so I'm still I'm still kind of going through it. I watched the Nevers and watched episode three of the Nevers, okay. and uh, I'm watching the 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 Mayor of East. East uh, Eastland or whatever the that uh, Kate Winslet TV show is uh, the name of it is I don't I don't know that at all Mayor yeah of the Mayor of Eastland okay like what, what's it on it's on HBO okay. it's weekly um it's uh, just a murder mystery but with uh, Kate Winslet as a cop in uh, in Pennsylvania I think it's Pennsylvania she's a cop or she's a co- I thought she was a coach no no she's a cop oh okay she's well, a not- she's a and also, for some reason, Guy Pierce is in it, but he's like, it's just really weird because he's just he kind of just pops up every now and then. It doesn't have a prominent role yet. Oh, yeah, but I'm hopefully, 
Huh? Does he have tattoos and amnesia? Uh, no, no, not oh. this time. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but maybe this is the precursor to that. And I, I think that's it. I don't really think I, I didn't watch a lot of stuff. You finished uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, I did finish Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then, I, you know, the other episode of, I'm sorry to lose everyone's respect, the other episode of, of uh, Mighty Ducks, out oh. of just pure, pure curiosity. And um, I know, yeah, the, the latest episode of, uh, of uh, Invincible. Ah, right. And that was about it. Okay. So we uh, are done. So now. All right. Well, moving on. For Dean's main film choice. Uh, we have Reflections in a Golden Eye. A story that shows you what people do to each other in the name of love. Reflections in a Golden Eye stars the Elizabeth Taylor who showed the world what a woman really is. Reflections in a Golden Eye stars the Marlon Brando who has shown you how powerful and dynamic a great actor can be. Now, a love story may never mean the same thing to you again. The Major, he knew what his wife needed. The Major was everybody's idea of how tough and cool a military man should be. Until those few seconds when he thought he was going to die. When he saw what he was, what he wanted, and what he'd have to do to get it. Williams, the enlisted man, who knows all about one kind of wild animal. Now he will discover another kind. This is what happens to people who cannot help the things they feel or the things they do to each other. These are the stars who have never done what they do now in reflections in a golden eye. Suggested for mature audiences, leave the children home. From 1967, directed by John Houston with a running time of 108 minutes, a frighteningly by-the-book major at a southern military base seemingly struggles with his own sexuality while fighting back against the given perceptions of the era and location of the time. He battles with his wife, who's keeping secrets of her own. A simple yet complex web is woven, destined only to be shredded to pieces, and at the end, will anyone left be left unfettered? Dean? Why'd you pick Reflections of a Golden Eye? Reflections in a Golden Eye. um... Yes, Dean. Why did you pick Reflections in a Golden (laughs) Eye? (laughs) Explain yourself. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Although it's it's oddly (laughs) paced a little bit, but it's purposeful. And, you know, it's directed by John Huston. And it features... I'm I'm a big Marlon Brando fan, and I had never heard of this movie when I saw it. uh, I think I saw it maybe... A decade ago um and it's post you know on the waterfront uh and it stars liz taylor uh post who's afraid of virginia wolf and we've already discussed who's afraid of virginia wolf and i loved her so much in that movie that i kind of wanted to see the kind of role she was taking or doing after that movie uh and so and i wanted to see the combination of those two in a story and i didn't know anything about the story going in the first time i saw this movie and and it also is the the debut of uh forster uh what's his name robert Robert forster yeah and uh it it kind of blew me away i was not prepared for this movie when i saw it um (laughs) brando is doing something completely different even down to the way he talks which is very southern but also in the second viewing which i saw last night of this movie it kind of reminds me of the problem I have with Christopher Nolan movies where you don't know what the hell they're saying. Like sometimes like they, Batman the, or his, his vocal inflection mixed with his Southern accent that he was playing over the top of it made him a little difficult to understand, especially at the beginning. Absolutely. And you're like, is this a joke? Like what's, what's happening? <laughs> and there is a very poignant <laughs> moment. I thought toward the end, when um is it brian keith is that his name the actor yeah uh who is having an affair with his wife that's not much of a spoiler that's pretty much right out the gate in the story yeah uh they're playing cards very very indiscreet yeah affair as a matter of fact yeah, exactly yeah. and they're playing cards toward the end and 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 uh they talk about the houseboy of the of the couple next door and how if he went in the army they they'd really make him a man 
And it's the first, it's probably the only time that Marlon Brando's character, who's a very frustrated, angry, closeted homosexual, uh, actually says something about being gay. Yeah. And, and he just basically talks about what it's like to be in the barracks with these men and what it means to him. And it's kind of mm -hmm. a beautiful, like, little speech if you're able to parse it from his lips. Because, again, his accent is so... It, yeah. it, it borders on parody, you know, almost. Um, yeah. But he he really there's a lot of downplaying in this movie, even though there's a lot of there's a lot of nuances and I would dare say subtleties. But then there's also a lot of big moments that are just bizarre. Like. I'm not going to give away the ending, but the ending, the very last shot of the movie feels like a completely different movie, the way it's shot and directed the camera swinging, I'll just say back. Yes, it, it's almost like a yeah. Hitchcock kind of thing or something, right? Like uh, that John Houston was employing there, and I thought it was very effective. But going back to the general story, like I thought it was a very, I hate it's not brave, but and not necessarily controversial or shocking, but for a movie made in 1967 about this with these characters, these actors, it's 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 very unexpected, and to the point where I read somewhere that a lot of men who went to see this movie just start getting up often and leaving the theater because they could. Oh, yeah. I'm sure once, once they realized what that they were telling you about Marlon Brando's character, they were like, well, this is, this is absurd, right? This is ridiculous. I, I, yeah. I, this is preposterous. And they would leave. And then, you know, and he just kept playing that up. And, and you know, to me, this, this, this um, it kind of reminds me, his character reminds me a little bit of, now I'm forgetting the name. Uh, L.A. Confidential uh, played uh, the character, the detective uh, White, played by the Gladiator actor. What's his name? Oh, Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow Russell Crowe. L.A. Confidential. Apparently, mm -hmm. and they don't play this up in the movie, but in the book, he too is a closeted Blind homosexual <laughs> who's dealing. With yeah, they know, they just totally abandoned that. Abandoned in the book. That in the I mean, movie, in the movie. But, oh yeah. I thought that that was like that's an interesting character trait to 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 watch. Now, hopefully as it's 2021 and hopefully movies in the future won't be dealing with people having to be closeted, you know, but back in 1967, that was just, I mean, how awesome was that sure. for these actors to take on this, this story, you know, written by Carson right. McCullers, a woman, who, a woman who, you know, wrote a lot of like, you know, she, she wrote, uh, the, the heart is the lonely hunter, I think is the name of the story in the movie with Alan Arkin. Mm-hmm. So she was yeah. kind of wrote very gothic, southern gothic kind of stories, you know. Robert Forster, I guess is a little bit of a spoiler, says nothing in this movie. But he says, oh, and like, you can't tell what is he. He's the thing that invades their lives and right. throws every a wrench into everything just by his appearance alone, you know. Yep. I mean, sure, he's riding around on a horse naked. Which is again, it goes from subtle to not subtle, and it's kind of amazing <laughs> where this movie goes uh, all the time. I, I can, I can, I was very curious to see what you guys thought of it because there is a certain macho aspect to this podcast. Really? <laughs> wow. I was, but I was wondering how we we just got profiled. Uh -oh. <laughs> uh I think Dean means me, guys. But anyway, uh -oh. keep going. <laughs> but, I mean, I could go on and talk more, and actually I probably will as we discuss it. But I have to say, my favorite moment in the entire movie, which is to me is so beautiful, and maybe you guys don't care, but toward the end, the very end, when Robert Force has come up the steps and Brando pats down his hair to make himself pretty is right. unbelievable yep. to me. To, to know yeah. to do that. To, to, for the you know John Houston Brando to know to do that very subtle and again that's just a beautiful moment uh, and of course where it leads is you know where it goes but my God just I'll I will never forget that moment because it just it says everything you know about yeah Brando's character in that yeah. moment you know you know I was I was typing notes because uh, I was watching it at my at my at my desk so I was typing notes kind of. Uh, stream of consciously uh, as I'm watching the film. Um, I did the same with both of these movies. So I have stuff that I wrote and then I had to go back and change as the films changed as you watch them. 
I had I had I had originally typed Jesus, this guy's a fucking mess. <laughs> and I had right and I had uh you know also that you know that situation with the neighbor colonel's oh, wife God. who you know finally figured out what was happening and you know decides that she's gonna leave him, but instead he takes her and locks her in a sanatorium, and it's like, oh. All right. So that's what happens at those days. If, you know, you went the wrong way, you didn't you didn't leave your husband. You got sent away to a place to get better. And in and a way, not that long, yeah, ago. not that long. Ago. And in a yeah, way, well. she's kind of very sane. Of and course, she's so is. tragic what happens. Yeah, because she can see everything. Well, that was funny, too, because like literally 30 seconds later, they're like, oh, didn't you hear the I news? Know. And you're like. Wait, I what? Know. Who? Are they, are they talking about her? There was literally just a scene of her with the husband standing at the up place. for herself. Yeah. Well, did you catch the moment early on when they're talking about her being crazy and that she has cut off her own nipples with scissors? With the yeah. with the shears, oh, yeah. right? With shears. The, yeah. What the hell? Oh my god. Yes. You know. Yeah. I mean, and I, by I, the way, the contrast. Uh, just and then we'll get back to your notes. Yeah. But the contrast between Brando's frustrated closeted homosexual versus the houseboy that's very flamboyant correct you know like the, ex- the like the extreme right. like of- he's there as a presence in that house right and that's whatever it is you know right. you know the, the colonel can have his own opinions about that life and world and everything else and whatever but that guy keeps in his mind keeps his wife on an even keel so it's fine him for him being there mm-hmm mm-hmm but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting comparison if you look at the two households and especially all the interaction that's happening between the, the characters in those households. For me, you were talking about moments in this movie. The the one that really stood out to me was one of the the it happens a few times where Forster is just walking down the streets on the base and Brando is like ten paces behind him, just sort of ghosting him silently without you know doing or saying anything and did you notice uh, about that that walking did you notice something about the sound what so he's walking behind him but he's clearly wearing a certain kind of pair of shoes that sounds like women's of, of women's heels like it's almost like oh i just took it as military dress shoes because they usually have hard it, heels it is but it's also played up to sound like okay guy got you for me that's how i interpreted right um but the scene where he drops the candy bar wrapper and he goes and he picks it up and the next thing you see is him at the house like smoothing it out and it's going it's going into the skin box it's it's going into the trophy case you know and i'm just like i'm like wow is that creepy yes and i'm just like holy crap and then instantly two seconds later you know it's the it's the the fucking the 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 cuckolded wife coming in telling him that her husband is sleeping with with her with his wife right and she races upstairs and it's not this that what she thought it was and she can't even process it she's just like (laughs) oh and just walks out and it's like i gotta go home (laughs) yeah and and the and this and the box you're talking about i i i couldn't parse that out the first time i saw the movie this this recent time i noticed that there's like a cloth and then there's that little silver spoon right the stolen spoon the stolen spoon and i'm wondering if these were unrequited crushes well yeah because he talks about how that you know the whole thing with the spoon in that first sort of little get together they have at the house they talk about the person who got you know screwed over because they are fired because of this a spoon was missing and it turns out that brando actually has it in his little trophy box Along but with do you think he had a crush spoon. on that man? That's that's why he has that spoon. It's, it's entirely know? possible. Entire. That's I mean, right. that that would be entirely believable to me. Yep. And then I have uh, the other, the one, that, the one other big note I have is, is like you said, without going into detail, uh, on the final shot, essentially the last thirty seconds of that movie, there is. I've never seen a single shot like that in a film that has so much to unpack in and of itself alone, Mm -hmm. let alone what it means to the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. But in literally in, in 10 seconds, all of a sudden 
everything is just it's like it's like a, a giant tub of stuff just got dumped on the floor and you're just like all right now i have to figure this out yep. or it's like rain man when he drops the toothpicks and he's like oh nope gotta count them you know yep. Yep. and it's like it's absolutely crazy i don't i don't want to 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 go through and this is right. a movie that i think the ending just basically turns the whole thing on its head or not turns the whole thing on its head but it just it changes so much in 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 its final sequence um or it, what it does is it it coalesces everything you've just yes, seen yes yeah that, that's a good that's a better it, it way like caramelizes the entire right. movie like oh that's the that's the last 30 seconds is the entire movie you just saw right the culmination of everything 100%. and 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 yet also there's such a a, a, a menace uh, the, the two movies which we're going to talk about i i felt a lot of menace from both of the yeah. movies and there's a a menace because of the robert forster character it's very menacing and it and, it's, and we know nothing it's yes it might as well be michael myers you know uh, <laughs> in halloween the before we started to get into his backstory you yeah. know like and and it's funny because how you had described this movie on a previous show of ours when you picked it to have us watch it, I sort of had a, a preconceived notion in my head of how it was going to feel when I watched it. And then I'm, I, I was 10, 15 minutes into it. And I'm like, this is not what I thought it was going to be at all from the way Dean explained it. I was, just, and I, I actually thought it was, it was a really interesting movie. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was just, it's really different. It's a really different movie. I mean, I haven't necessarily seen a lot of movies from this time period, but even when you look at stuff like we recently just watched Midnight Cowboy, which mm. tackles that similar territory, but you know, some stuff. That's a great movie. And I just, I just feel that the way that this one was done was very unique. Yes. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll be, I'm very curious to hear out these guys thought. So uh, Leif, why don't you, uh, why don't you jump in first? Uh, where do I start here? Um, <laughs> Well, I think I'll start with um, it's important for everyone to realize that this movie means a lot to Dean. Oh, boy. And that Dean <laughs> really, <laughs> this is a movie that is that he enjoys a lot and it's important to him. And he has outlined why very eloquently, I might add, in his yes. song. And that that is important. That being said, uh, I can't remember the last time I saw a movie I disliked as much as this one. Um, I uh, didn't like any of the six characters. I didn't. I didn't find any of them interesting. I didn't find what they did interesting. I wanted to beat most of them to bloody pulps because I hated them so much. Um, I don't like the way John Huston directs. I never have. Uh, I've seen about four of his movies, and. I mean, the last 30 seconds of this movie, it's as if a some kid running around the set grabbed the camera and started <laughs> and doing whatever he wanted with it. And I'm just, I got my hand in my head like, I don't like this. I really don't like this. Don't end the movie this way. And of course, they found a worse way to end it. And that was with the quote that makes no sense. Just, I, I didn't get it. I don't get what the quote means. I don't get what this movie's about. If it's about all these different angst of homosexuality and sexuality the homosexuality of marlon brando is never i don't know what the word for it would be overt enough i i know they had to be it's careful never actualized right yeah and i i didn't it just you know okay he's he's working out and then he's and then he's all sweaty and then later on he's following the guy i mean none of that is interesting i, I didn't beating find a horse hey what Beating a horse. Beat a horse. Yeah, I mean that scene bothered me when he got hit. Every every scene just bothered me. I just I don't like movies where you're just watching misery and just like I, I'll I'll compare it to the one movie that I think does it well that I I, I have before on this podcast and that's the movie called Affliction with Nick Nolte where every oh, yeah. the movie is bad and awful but it, it just works because of the way the story's told. Mm -hmm. This one I just didn't get and Dean explained a lot of what I didn't get in, in, in what, in how he, ex, you know, summarized what the film was about, but I just didn't get it. I don't, I felt like I was watching a, a pale version of American beauty. That's what I, that's what I felt like while I was oh, That's a great, that's a great comparison actually. Yeah, and that's a good comparison. And, and Latham, I, I'm with you on one thing, which is I don't, I think maybe I'm very forgiving to the characters because of the actors, but if I just, 
if you took the actors away and just told me what the characters were, I probably would hate them too. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, like, yeah. And, and I, <laughs> I was expecting a ton out of Brando. I don't think he does. I mean, there's those moments, like you said, with the hair and stuff, but I don't think he's he's just playing a military guy. I'm not that impressed. Elizabeth Taylor's just playing a fucking loopy drunk or whatever, you know, th- that's cheating on her husband. I, I just, none of that impressed, impressed me. Mm-hmm. What, what was the, what was the, the thing with the scissors when he went and took the scissors? He was worried that, uh, what, what's her name? Uh, the actress, uh, Julie, De- uh, Julie Harris, uh, Julie Harris, that she was going to hurt herself again. Like, okay. like they kept removing things when she that, cut off her be- nipples. Mike, cut off something else you know who knows uh, <laughs> killed herself anyway she found a way to kill herself yeah basically theoretically and they, that well, was although true. although i do I think i have a theory I, I have a theory that the houseboy killed her because he didn't go to the funeral they talk yeah, about that they go didn't why like didn't she go to the funeral and i think he saw her life where it was going and and did her a favor interesting but they do say it was a heart attack, but I don't know. Yeah, she died of a cor- massive coronary, and then yeah, coronary, but the, yeah. But the houseboy disappeared and never showed up again. Yeah, yeah I don't. I didn't like the houseboy at all. I, I just, oh, I just didn't like him. There was a lot to that houseboy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I mean, about the peacock. I'm with sure the single movie. golden eye. Yeah, I just, <laughs> just wanted to punch him when he started that stupid speech. Uh, I, you know, it's it, it's a movie that I can see people uh, enjoying, uh, and like if they catch it at a different, you know, specific point in their life, and they would they would really revere this. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not one of those people. Also, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a play. I think it might have even been done as a play, possibly. It's I, I don't place in one location. Yeah, I mean, based yeah. on- it does feel a lot. It does feel very. Uh much like a like a like like it might have been a play at one point or or you sure. know come from that i mean i'm cars from colors i mean i don't like i said i don't know the original story uh obviously but you know it's entirely possible that this was adapted from from that source or that you know she just had planned to write it that way maybe and just adapted and made turned into a novel instead you know i i don't know right and, and i would say and I, I can't wait to hear hassan but i would also say like sometimes i pick movies or i enjoy movies that i can understand would not be that, that is hard to recommend. In other words, why sure. would you watch these people, right? <laughs> I feel like, you know, trying to do a character study, let's say, of, of Brando. And, and I mean, because like it's really Brando's movie, and it's also uh, the, the next door neighbor's wife's movie in a way. And, and, and to tell these stories in like less than two hours is as, as a person who's also a storyteller and a, one day I would love to make a movie. I, I I just love that they try to tackle these these kinds of characterizations in cinema, you know. But at this, oh, Hassan saying nope, <laughs> or or he would maybe it's it's worth watching, or maybe he's watching something else. But but yeah, I'm um, watching I'm watching uh I'm watching Outlander right now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, I'm <laughs> listening to you. Anyway, I just I I kind of appreciate when when there's this like meditation and even though it may not be like entertain, not even entertaining in some ways, it's, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, you know, go ahead. Hassan. Yeah. Hassan. Uh, I, I mean, like I get where you're coming from. I get where I get where the movie is coming from. I understand it. I mean, you got to take into context when the movie was made and who's in the movie and what, you know, what it meant to be, uh, you know, what it meant to be queer, not so much even homosexual, just what it meant to be different and odd and sexually, yeah. you know, sexually, awkward um back then which is very as you as you, as you described the show it was a very testosterone driven era you know but that's not an excuse for a shitty narrative and it's not an excuse for poor pacing it's not an excuse to you know i know it was like it's kind of like a bury your lead the, the movie seemed felt to me like it was trying to constantly distract you from what the subject matter is by being odd it was just odd. It's it's a it's a product of my contemporary understanding of of the problems that the movie is trying to point out. So it's not it's not the movie. It's, it might be just me and when I watched the film. But since I under, since I was able to identify just about every one of these uh, psychological 
quirks that each one of these people had and in the, in the, their repression and oppression, you know, as it were, especially when it comes to what's his name's wife. Mm-hmm. Once you can identify that within, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes of the film, you're just kind of watching this slog of people who are in a time that has that, you know, that that has gone by slowly creep towards some kind of self-awareness to the point where it becomes all malignant and then, and, you know, and then someone gets killed and, mm-hmm. and it's hard to watch. It's a, it's a hard story in and of itself to watch, but it's also hard because you know that, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to say this correctly. You know that the story is fucking with you because it can't come out and tell you exactly what it's trying to say. Mm. So it's constantly just, Oh, we'll just show you as a really bad beating, beating around the bush. Yeah, it's, we'll show you as big, but that's really kind of bad what the story's horse about. chase. Yeah, but it, 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 why tell the story if you can't tell the story? I know the story is important, <laughs> but why fucking try to tell me the story if you don't have the guts to tell me the story? That's a because I think that's the whole. I think if I feel like. It's broken. The, the the so the people are broken. So the movie is going to be broken. Now right. was that done on purpose? I don't know. Right. Did John so, know to deliver it in a broken way. And so all you're know. left with is watching a broken movie. You know, yes. and and so first that 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 alone, and then you guys have already covered it. So thankfully, I don't really have to cover. But I don't know what the fuck Marlon Brando was doing because. He was speaking like Swahili gibberish. I mean, it was well, I, I well, literally well, did. Well. Yeah, I re- I literally did when in the right in right in the beginning, I'm like, he is not fucking serious with that voice, right? That is not <laughs> that is not serious. That is sounds like someone doing a Marlon Brando impression. That's yeah. That is, yeah. and he's doing it on his yeah. own. Right. You know? That's like a good um, old boy doing a, a, a yeah. Marlon Brando impression. Yeah. <laughs> This is not, I'm not watching something that's real. I'm not watching. I also, there's, there's my own prejudice. I have a really hard time watching movies that are ambiguous about really serious matters. I don't like them. I don't like, and, as, and like I said, that's a, that's, a, that's a personal thing. That's not the fault of the movie because I think the movie did that successfully. When, they, when, they, when, the, when the aide tells uh, Brando that the, what's his name's wife is dead. And he's like, well, and, he, and he just kind of wanders off, you know? Yeah. yeah and it's just like the, the complete ambiguity of, of, of emotion, the, the, de- the, the, the detachment from reality, you know, it, it just, you, just watching people twist themselves in a vice, he's just, it's a, it's a monster of a thing to ask people to do. And then on top of that, and I understand what I'm saying, and I understand when this movie was made, but on top of it, to give it to me in this kind of uh, abstract, you know, uh, delivery, you know, to to offer it to me in this in this in this shitty narrative, in this really bad narrative. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing else I could say. I was really mad while watching it. Like, I can't. First of all, how dare this fucking movie be two hours long? You know, and then. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm watching it kind of slowly unfold, and they're on the, you know, they're on horses, and they jump the horses over the trestles and stuff like that. And oh, now they're having an affair in the woods. And oh, okay, now Elizabeth Taylor's come back to the house, and now she's making she's making jokes with her maid to 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 the consternation of Marlon Brando for some reason. And Brando wants the shrubbery cleared away from Forrester, but Forrester doesn't really don't know how to use his words. And I mean. And I'm like, okay, all right, it's this is you know this is mood setting. We're gonna you know here we go. But the it, it's not mood setting. It's a warning. It's telling you, yeah, this whole movie is gonna move at this clip with this with with, with very little elaboration on what's really happening. Good luck. We we warned you. It's your fault. If you're here an hour from now, this is your fault. It's no longer our fault because we explain it to you right here and now. And so. Um, yeah, I did say I, I feel bad. I did send a text telling Steve I was like, sometimes some weeks this job is hard, you know, because <laughs> you know, it's the same with uh, a woman under the influence. It's kind of the same thing. It's watching abuse, it's watching people tear themselves apart. 
it's watching people get destroyed with no redemption, you know, and no and no alleviation of the situation that they're in. Fair enough, because that's reality. But you're also watching. I think a woman under the influence is, uh, is is a little better because it's allowed because of the time it was made in the '70s. It's allowed to be a lot more straightforward about the you know about what's being said and what's what's going on. Right. But then it's also it because of the squeamishness and the and the and the and the repression and the you know and the just inability of you know the audience of the day to be able to self-examine by any stretch of the imagination it also has to be made in this subversive you know test of endurance for you to sit there and watch it to watch these things unfold and to watch these things happen and then it gets cute you know like that last scene is fucking cute to the point of what do you mean cute we can't talk about that last scene right we just we just spent a, uh, a bunch of time avoiding it but the camera angles switching switch switch right. switch which it's that's this that's like okay and now i'm gonna hit you with the you know with the abstract reality of what you just saw okay. and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna let you know the the you know the horror of these you know these three points of view well two points of view and one quickly fading point of view right and it's just like you know it's it's again it's the blade runner situation again and I and that that's why I have to take all the responsibility of this review, right? What I'm seeing, well, the the ailments of every of everybody in this film, the 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 whatever the repression that they're suffering from, and I am sympathetic to each and every one of them, is so rudimentary today that the that watching it with a contemporary eye, you can only kind of watch it contemptuously, like. You know, these people just do not know how to talk. They don't know how to defend themselves. They don't know how to get themselves out of these terrible situations that they find themselves in. And therefore, they do damage. And I mean, they just leave a yeah. lot of wreckage behind. So fuck these people. Like, that's the attitude. But I think that's real. Like, but I think that that's, that's more and a lot more households than, than, than sure. you're, you're giving credit for. I mean, I think that's true for a lot of I, households. I, you know, I like, agree. I, I believe it. I think it's real. I don't, I, I'm not discrediting it. I'm saying as a source of, I'm saying as a source of celluloid entertainment, it's like, you know, it's mm. just like, dude, I don't, mm-hmm. you, you know, like I would, I would have more respect for these characters if they, you know, if they were at least honest with the struggle that they're having, they don't have to know who they are, what they're doing. But I mean, like, if if the entire story is just to show me a bunch of people who don't know who they are all the way up until they've destroyed each other, then I what did I get out of that? You know, personally, okay. that's like like I said, right. as a personal reaction to it. Right. Um, okay. Right. I you know John Houston. Um, <laughs> this does sound like a put on now. Yeah. It is a it is a well made movie. It was important to see it. I just, if you're going to ask me what I thought of it after I saw it, you're going to, you're going to get an earful of. Oh, I appreciate that. And and now you're making me think a little bit like, because we've been, we've been avoiding aspects of the ending, but in a way the pacing, which we've described as kind of a slog, it's almost like a fever, the pacing. And then suddenly at the end, it snaps into real time. And it feels really fast. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have any of those issues with the pacing of the film. To be honest, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't bothered by the way it yeah. ran, how it ran at all. I was actually, I was kind of, it kind mm. of held my interest more than I expected it to. I'll be honest. Um, for me personally, mm. I, I just mm-hmm. thought it was a really interesting examination. Obviously, it's a very, you know, to, to Hassan's point, I think it's a victim of its own time frame to an extent like you said i think like yeah. you said someone seeing it now is going to look on these kinds of things and be like sure these things probably still exist in certain places in certain situations but for the most part a lot of these a lot of the things that are happening in this movie that you're supposed to feel bad about or feel for these people for you're just kind of like all right so fucking move well, to san francisco and be happy about it one yeah That's one right. but not only that, but the, I mean, the, the main problem is they don't even come to grips. They don't even understand what they're going through, right? So you don't even get the cathartic 
Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like you, you don't even get the catharsis of them coming to a realization of what's wrong, even if they can't fix it. You know, you know, it's like the the soldier at the end of the movie who realizes they're not going to win like Bush and Butch and Sundance. Like we're not going to win, but fuck it. You know, we're going to deal. So that's a catharsis. You know, they've they've come to you follow right. these people for X amount of time. They've come to a conclusion. It's not a conclusion that you would hope for for these people, but they've made their own decision. Not one of these people makes their own decision. And then you're right. The Nobody... exception may be a Brando, but it's arguable that he wasn't even in his right mind when he did whatever he did. You know, well, the other thing is, is you're 100 percent right. None of these people learn anything. From any of these, mm-hmm. all, all the shit that they go through in this movie, I don't think, including Brando. I think uh, he learned is, the, the least of all, which is <laughs> made, the, which is made the most painfully obvious by the final scene. You know, right. I think that. You know, these people just it's yeah, I, I get it. There, there's no there's no arc to any of these people They're They at the yeah. end, they're all kind of the ones that are left are all kind of the same way they were at the beginning. Nobody learned anything from the situations and what they've just gone through. And, and the ones right. that are gone were destroyed. You know, they were just wrecked by the yeah, others. Sure. You know, so it's Literally, like in some cases. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Um, what, but yes, but, you know. <laughs> What's interesting about uh, there's some there's some fun casting stuff with this movie. Um, first of all, the one thing I did like is right at the beginning of the movie when uh, before before Liz does her little strip tease in the living room, Marlon Brando calls her a slattern. And I've I know the word slattern and I've never heard it used in a movie. And I was so excited to hear her call to hear him call her a slattern in a movie. I loved it. Um what does that mean? A tramp, it's a, sl- a, a yeah, tramp, it's a, a, a yeah, it's a, yeah. You know, yeah. It's just it's, it, but it's a great word. Um, <laughs> also, I and I missed him somehow, word. but apparently, uncredited. This is also the first feature film for Harvey Keitel as well. Oh, apparently, he is, plays an uncredited role as one of the miscellaneous soldiers. And I was l- tr- looking around oh. trying to spot like guys in the background and stuff, but I, I couldn't find him. So. Francis Ford Coppola did some uncredited uh, writing on this screenplay. That's hard to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard Burton and Lee Marvin both turned down the role, uh, the Marlon Brando role. Good job, guys. I wonder why Richard Burton <laughs> turned it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Maybe he didn't time. want to be beating up Elizabeth Taylor for the yeah. ninth time on <laughs> celluloid <laughs> so um william holden and robert mitchum were both also offered the role wow mm. robert mitchum would have been interesting mitchum would have been good yeah, yeah. i think um, he would have emoted a lot more i think you would have gotten a lot more a, a lot less like really uh i mean and, just immovable burn from and the, uh, and from the one with those love and hate tattoos on his face. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the one there's, there's two other funny little stories that go along with this film. One of which is, I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny, but it's still funny because of the way it, where it turns out. So knowing that the, the role of major Pendleton, major Penderton was physically demanding, obviously with that whole horse ride sequence and a bunch of other, you know, him just kind of being or moving around. Uh, the insurance company and the underwriting, the production was acquired. Um, the original choice of, for the role was Montgomery Clift, um, mm-hmm. who was a close friend of uh, Elizabeth Taylor's. Uh, and they wanted to make sure that he was going to be fit enough because he had been gone through some illness for a while there towards the end of his life. And Elizabeth Taylor committed her salary as insurance in order to secure him for the part. And then he died of a heart attack before filming began, opening up the role for Marlon Brando. So clearly he was not in shape to do the movie. Wow. And the other really fun part of this is the photographs of Marlon Brando in his uniform from this movie are the flashback photos used in Apocalypse in Now, Apocalypse as now. Kurtz as a young man. Oh, yep. That's funny, yeah. Quote unquote, the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> so, that's but that movie. is, uh, that's Reflections in a Golden Eye. We get the martini like we did. Yes, that. no, I know. I forgot to do it last time. I don't even fucking know how I did that. But um, yeah, so, uh, so John Huston as a director 
which Latham has already made his self clear on the fact that he is not a fan. Not in really. General. Or, but you like Chinatown, though. Yeah, it was from uh, Or no, I'm sorry. He yeah. was, he, he didn't direct. Yeah, yeah, he sorry. didn't do. Uh, that's Polanski. That was Polanski. Yeah, yeah, that's Polanski. Never mind. Uh, uh, he did um, Pritzy's Honor under the volcano. Pritzy's Honor's decent. The Dead. Oh, the he did the Man Who Would Be King. King. I love the Man Who Would Be King. Yeah, that's a good movie. That's a great movie. He did the Macintosh Man. I like that. Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean. Can't believe I he love that movie. Casino Royale. Dude. That's just weird. <laughs> Wait, Maltese Falcon, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's his. The African Queen, I think, is his best movie. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on his on his library that's on my list of stuff that it's like the the movies you should see. There's like that I haven't seen, like Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Key Largo, Asphalt Jungle, Red Badge of Courage. You know, there's a lot of Nemo stinking. There's a lot of stuff on there. The Misfits. There's a lot of stuff on here that I feel like I should have seen. Night of the Iguana. He doesn't really have that much of a style to his directing. He's very, it's a lot of long takes and long shots. And we didn't mention there are like two really gorgeous shots of the landscape in uh, Reflections on a Golden Eye that just pop out of nowhere that are really great. Like he just framed the forest and it was really cool. So occasionally yeah. he gets like these really good shots, but I mean, after that, his fucking infant son grabbed the camera for the last shot or whatever. <laughs> I mean, just wee, wee, wee. Me so much that you're trying to get away with that. Unless you're not, mm-hmm. And you're not explaining yourself. You're not explaining yourself there. And that's, yeah, he's like just smiling yeah, at you through like, the through the other side the of the <laughs> so, I, I haven't seen African Queen since I was in high school. It's a good movie. No, no, no. And I, I really enjoyed it then, but I haven't seen it with uh with my adult head, so I don't I can't well written. But it's funny because we're talking about cinematography and directing right now with John Houston. I, I can't think of all those movies that I have enjoyed of his. I don't have a specific memory of of a certain take or a long shot or a graphically there's nothing that he does that stands out yeah nothing stands out yeah cinematically right you know he's a solid filmmaker but he's victory too that's a good movie but not because of his direction was that the soccer one yeah pele pele sylvester oh that's right that's right that's right the the soccer team that that that, uh, escapes or whatever that's a that's a that's an interesting uh that's a fun movie. That, that was an okay movie. I forgot we forget about that movie. Um, but again, it's not, I don't think it's a directorial tour de force. It's just it's good anyway. So right. Right. No, I get I get it. Yeah, I mean, I out of the movies of his that I've seen and 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 given, there's a lot that I haven't and should. Oh, Fat City? He did Fat City. Yeah. That's a great movie. And I, I would probably understand. say my favorite is, oh, man, I really like the Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean. I'd be, be between Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean and The Man Who Would Be King. I love The Man Who Would Be King, but that might be that might be more about the story and the actors that are in it. That might that might be a I might be falling victim to the deanism of the uh, of that particular film because of of Connery and Kane in that movie. Yeah, that's just a. I mean, that's not an easy movie to direct, though. So you gotta give him some credit there. Yeah, I mean, it's Kipling, so I mean, it's. Yeah. But uh, the life and times of Judge Roy Bean, I just love because it it spans over the course of like a hundred years or something. It's like it's like it's like uh, it's like Little Big Man. You know, it goes right. over the course of like an entire this guy's entire life. And I just thought that this uh, it was just I saw that when I was a kid, and I was just I was blown away by it. So it was just one of those one of those things. Definitely a, a situation where it's the time you see it. But uh, but yeah, he's got he certainly has some 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 pretty some pretty well known and and I mean Maltese Falcon was his first directing job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he got a golden script, so I mean. Fair enough. Fair enough. You fuck that up, you're done. <laughs> and then his fourth movie is Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which is pretty highly regarded so anywho dean thank you always thank a pleasure to have you um thank you very much uh we'll uh we'll He's talk in soon the three club right we don't have many three club people uh no D- dean is uh right behind james 
as yeah, far no. as uh, appearances. Yeah. Well, I, I'd love to do it again. You know, soon, sure, sooner than later, and get yeah, more, but... get more of my friends on your show because it's fun to listen to you guys talk movies. It, yeah, you man. really help me on those nights where I don't want to draw. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for that. Jesus, don't tell me that. No, no, yeah. no, you help me draw when I don't. Oh, want to. Yeah, no, he's okay. just okay. listening to uh, us. Yeah. Like, something to draw. listen to. That's right. <laughs> listen to us complain. Right. Fuck this yeah, movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. How dare you subject yeah, me to this? Wait till film. Whitney's shows come up, and you'll have a you'll have a treat uh, to, to wait yeah. for you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. awesome. <laughs> uh, somehow I'm the voice of reason. I don't know how that happened, but uh, <laughs> fucking movie. My eyes, my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> so, uh, thanks to Fesleyan Music. Please check out our website at sentimentalpod.com for all of the poster images we normally discuss on our down the tube segments and don't forget to download and subscribe to sentimental wherever you enjoy your podcasts you can always listen to new episodes at sentimentalpod.com also you can follow us on all major social media accounts at sentimentalpod for Hassan godwin latham conger the third dean haspiel and myself we say thank you so much for listening and as always in the words of our friend and repressed southern military madman truman burbank good afternoon good evening and good night